Hello and welcome to Bookstagram Live with me, Chloe. In this episode, I spoke to Ali Brennan all about her novel, Air of Ravens and Ruin. This chat originally took place live on Instagram, although we did run into some technical issues, um, which meant that the beginning had to be re-recorded in private. Ali and I had basically been talking for around 20 minutes when both of our Instagram apps threw us out of the live. So we both reset our phones and then got back on without any further issues. However, because of the abrupt end to the first part, I was unable to save that part of our conversation. I did have a little bit of a mini meltdown when I realised this, because even though this is just a passion project for me, I still want to deliver quality content especially since a couple of the questions we lost were sent in by other readers. Anyway, Ali was a superstar and she very kindly re-recorded her answers to the main questions that we lost. You're going to hear a not-so-smooth transition between the re-recorded questions and the continued live conversation, and at this point, like usual, you will be able to switch over to watch the original recording over on my page at C. Sutcliffe Books, which will be linked in the episode description. I also asked Sally to record herself reading the blurb of Air of Ravens and Ruin, so that's what you'll hear first. Happy listening! Yeah, so here is the blurb. When the dark fae and their beasts descend on her home, wrecks her Ravenheart's world is shattered, her people slaughtered and her kingdom destroyed. Injured and fleeing for her life, all seemed lost, but fate works in mysterious ways. Rescued by two fae, Rexa begins her journey of self-discovery, only to learn that she has been lied to her whole life. Chosen by the Raven God, Rexa is the realm's only hope in defeating the darkness. Only she can wield the weapon of their destruction, lost centuries ago in the Battle of Adoria. Will she find it before they find her? So what are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I'm currently reading Court of the Vampire Queen. Um, I absolutely love it. It's amazing so far. I didn't actually expect to love it as much as I do, um, but I'm almost finished it. I think I'm about 60 odd percent through, so I'm hoping to have it finished by the end of the week. But yeah, definitely check out Court of the Vampire Queen. It is so good. What was your favourite childhood book? I didn't really read a lot when I was in primary school, but definitely the first year in high school, it would have to be Darren Shan's novels. Um, he did a vampire series and a demon series. Um, they definitely got me into reading a lot more. Um, I feel like that was the they were the first book series that I can really remember that made like such an impact on me. Um, God, I, I actually haven't read them since then, so that's kind of a 
a blast from the past right there. <laughs> yeah, but um, definitely the Darren Shan books. If you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? It would probably be that nothing is impossible, even if it seems because <laughs> um, when I was in high school, the careers advisor kind of laughed at me and told me that I needed to get a real job when I told them that I wanted to be an author. So having your dreams crushed at that age is like quite heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would go back to that girl and I would tell her not to listen to him and that if you put your mind to it you can do anything um so yeah that's what that's what I would tell my younger self that nothing is impossible what challenges have you faced with self-publishing one of the first issues that I had when publishing was that the cover files wouldn't be accepted by Ingram Spark, who I published with and I kept getting an error message every time I was uploading the file. Um, Danielle, my graphic designer, shout out to Danielle, she was absolutely amazing. I think we were both getting really frustrated with it but we just kind of got each other's backs, beat each other's rocks <laughs> um, and eventually we managed to figure it out. I think there was just too much colour in certain areas of the file. Um, but once Danielle worked on magic, it finally accepted the file. And honestly, it was such a relief. But after that, it was actually release day that I kept getting messages from my readers saying, oh, Amazon says that it's out of stock. And I was like... Oh dear. <laughs> um, so I thought, right, just leave it for maybe an hour, see if it updates itself. And it hadn't. So I emailed Amazon. They said, oh, because you published with a, a third party, you need to go to them to get it fixed on their side. So I was like, okay. Went to Ingram Spark and they said, nope, we can't fix Amazon's website for them they need to do it at their end it was a lot of back and forth um I think it took me about a week and a half to get it finally sorted um but it got to the stage where I was like nope Amazon give me an email to complain because this is ridiculous um and I think maybe within 10 minutes of me threatening to complain um I refreshed the page on Amazon and it was miraculously available. Um, it said five to six months delivery time, but it was there available. <laughs> but they did assure me that they do, they, they did have it on in their warehouse and it was available to deliver within the next two to three days. So I feel like I was annoying everybody on my Instagram page um, with the constant updates about it. Um, but that's the, the joys of being self-published. You can actually interact with your readers right there and then, keeping them up to date and things. So it eventually got itself sorted in the end. I think that was a big learning curve for me. And I just hope it doesn't happen with book two. But 
I know that if it does happen, it's just part of it and it just takes time and hopefully I shouldn't be as stressed out with book two, but we'll see what happens. Everything you hear for the rest of the recording is taken from the part of the live which is still available to watch on Instagram. The last question I asked Ali before we got cut off was about how she feels seeing reviews of her book, so this is where we picked up from. But yeah, I, I don't really like to read reviews um, too often, and I know that like you can't please everybody, and that's something that you need to to realise if you want to be an author that there is going to be readers out there that that don't like your work um, and that's completely fine Like there's been times where I've, I've read like really popular books and gone I don't really know what the hype about that was because I liked it but it wasn't amazing um, yeah. but I feel like there's a line between saying constructive criticism like saying I did enjoy it, but here's the things I didn't enjoy. Because then, as an author, I can then take that and be like, you know what, you're absolutely right. Or maybe I don't agree with that, but that's your opinion. But the difference between that and then just going on and completely slandering somebody's work. Um, because I know that there has there has been like trolls and stuff out there like doing yeah. that to well known authors as well. Um, but the way I feel about reviews is if if you're not if you're you're not going to be not nice about it, but if, if you can't be like civil about it and say here's your constructive criticism rather than just saying this book is terrible, don't buy it. Like, can I be in that way? Then I don't I don't think we should really be putting reviews, but. Um, thankfully, so far, touch wood, there's been, there hasn't really been any nasty reviews or anything like that. Um, so that's good. Um, but I think when, when it comes to reviews, I'd, I'd definitely try. I'll, I'll go in and maybe have a look and see how it's doing on Goodreads, how it's doing on Amazon, seeing how many reviews or ratings that have been left. Yeah. Um, I think I think the book's doing pretty well so far. Um, but yeah, I just all good news then. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so I'm I'm excited for obviously more to come in. Um, just to do I, yeah. I like to hear what people. I do like to hear what people think. Um, it's strange when it's your work that people are giving reviews on. It's I don't, I don't think that's anything that will will really sink in. Anytime soon, anyway. (laughs) All a bit surreal, is it? If you've been working Mm -hmm. on this book for so long and then suddenly everyone has an opinion on it. Yeah, I started writing book one during COVID um, because it's a a really funny story because I had a psychic reading and she told me, she's like, or something that you've wanted to do for so long. She's like, and I feel like this is your sign that you need to, to do it. And I was like, you know what? I don't know, because, I mean, you've got nothing to lose. Um, 
So during the pandemic, to keep my, my mind off it, I just decided to, to start writing it. And I actually played it in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with my friends. And that's how I knew that the story worked because it worked in the game. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Yeah, that was my kind of tester for it to see if like there was any plot holes or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, I just decided to say, you know, what, I'm just going to go for it and yeah, see what happens. And the way that I was looking, that I've been looking at it is, I'm not doing this for the whole money side of it. I'm doing this because I love writing and I want to share like my world with everybody. Um, yeah. and see. See, just being able to say that I published a book that is worth more to me than anything, and it's so surreal because I keep looking at it and it says my name at the bottom of it, and I was like, I wrote that. That's my book, and it's actually I'm really proud of myself for sticking yeah. to it. Um, so that's what makes it all worth it in the end. Yeah, when you've got it there in your hands. That's such a surreal feeling. I remember when it got delivered in the post and I was so scared to open it. I was trembling, yeah. I was shaking and I was like, I can't look at this because I was like, what if I open it and there's, it's just no the way that I'm going to expect it to be. But oh, it was perfect. I think I, I didn't put it down the full day. I just kept flicking through it and looking at it and going, oh my God, that's my book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is, it is a surreal feeling. Like it's still... It still hasn't sunk in properly that mm. I did it. So I'm sure it will eventually. It might not for a while either. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not up for a while, but maybe in like 10 years or something, I'll be like, oh, I wrote that yeah. book. <laughs> when the series is complete. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's a scary thought, like actually completing the series. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many books it's going to be at? Well, that's the thing, like, I thought it was going to be a trilogy at first, that's what I planned, and then with the way I'm writing book two, it looks like it might be four, and then the other day I was thinking, maybe I could just make it three, and then I'm like, no I can't because then I'll be rushing things, so it's at least going to be a trilogy. I know that, like that's that's what I'll, what I'll say just now, but it could be four, you never know. <laughs> Three to four books. Three to four, yeah, that's that, that's a good, that's a good number to say. Yeah. Three to four books, it just, I think it really just depends because I don't really plan anything when I'm writing, I just write. Um, yeah, like, I, I like that little, as well. I have a little bit of structure, like I'll write down like, this needs to happen here, that needs to happen there, and that needs to happen there. Whatever happens in between, I don't know. I just like to yeah. see what happens, see what the characters tell me that they want to say and how they want to go. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll see, I'll see how it yeah. turns out. Like, I'm pretty happy with it so far. Um, but there is a few tweaks that I need to make, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that changes the story. <laughs> when I'm writing, I usually have like a few scenes in my head that I know mm -hmm. I want to include, but yeah. then it is like you just said, filling in the gaps that whatever mm -hmm. happens when I'm writing is just what yeah. happens. Because the way that I, I like to, to do it is 
I'll have a scene pop into my head and see as I'm writing. I like I know that everybody has their writing playlist on Spotify. Um but the way that scenes come together for me is when I'm listening to music, I try and picture it like a scene in a movie. And that song is that I'm listening to is the song that's playing in the background while this scene is playing out. And that's how I get okay. inspiration for it. And that, that's that's when I'm just like tightening tight away. <laughs> um, so like music really does like have a big, big influence on my writing. Um, it just helps me get into that zone. Like I can just shut yeah. everybody else out, put my playlist on, and then I'm good to go. So yeah. I can have music on in the background, but I don't usually match it up to the scenes like that. Yeah, yeah. So I've never tried, so I could <laughs> give it a go and see how it works out. Yeah. <laughs> Next question then. What part was most fun to write in Air of Ravens and Ruin? Oh, I think, <laughs> I think it has to be, and it's not a spoiler, it's not a spoiler, um, but I think it has to be the scene where she leaves um, Oakhaven and she pretty much commandeers Kaylin's horse off him um, without him knowing. I, I was <laughs> laughing so much during that scene. I didn't even, like, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, that needs to go in because that's exactly what she would do. Yeah. <laughs> steals his horse like thank you <laughs> no, no, I think that was sometimes the, the characters just take over yeah she definitely took over that day when I wrote that because <laughs> I felt like it was all kind of like you know doom and gloom and then all of a sudden she's there stealing somebody else's horse it was how do you fit the time into the day for writing and how many hours would you usually do a day? Well, it depends. Um, I still have like a full-time nine-to-five job. Um, so if I'm not at work, like, so I'd probably, if it was the weekend, then I would try and do a couple hours at the weekend. Um, but... It really just depends what mood that you're in, um, because there's be, there'll be times where I'm really, really inspired and in the mood to write, and I could sit there for hours writing, but there's other times where I know I should be writing, but I'm just not in that frame of mind, and it's really important to notice when that happens, because if you're in that state of mind where you can't be bothered like writing but you're forcing yourself to write that's when you're going to start you, you'll be writing for a while and then you'll go back and you'll, you'll read over it and you'll realise that it's just a lot of rubbish and you'll scrap it and then you've just wasted that time so I think it just really depends on my mood like I try and I think if I'm in a, a good mood and I do want to write then it'll probably be maybe two or three hours um, I don't write every day because that's just overkill for me. Um, especially when it was Nano. Um, I took part in Nano Rhymo this uh, last year, yeah. <laughs> um, and writing every single day was 
exhausting. And I knew I could have took a break. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I knew like, I could have I've, taken a break. I've never done nano because it's mm-hmm. just so much pressure to write so many yeah. words every day. Yeah. And yeah. some days I just, I can't get those words out. Yeah. Whereas some yeah. days I can spend an entire afternoon writing, so. Exactly, yep. So yeah. I, felt, I felt like if I stopped writing and took a break one day in nano, I was like, well, these words that you're supposed to write today are going to get added to the words that you're supposed to write tomorrow. And I was like, I can't handle that. Like, it was 1,500 words a day I had to write. And I was like, that's it. That's all I'm going to write when I get in here. But some days I actually surprised myself and I, I wrote like nearly 5,000 words like a couple of the days. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a good writing day, that. Yeah, so, but yeah, definitely depends on the mood um, that I'm in. But I would say probably two and a half, three years, if that. Probably enough yeah. for me, anyway. <laughs> I want to ask about, is it Kaylin? Kaylin, yeah. Am I pronouncing mm-hmm. it right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kaylin. His his nickname for Rexa is Darling. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with that? Did it just burst out onto the page? Or did you think about it a bit more? I always was thinking about his pet name for her. And when I try and like imagine what he sounds like, like if I was to write love, it just didn't really fit with his character. But Darling, when I typed that, it just clicked. I was like, that's what he needs to call her. That that's that's his, his pet name for us, darling. Um I, I think that's like one of my favourite pet names, um, his darling. Yeah. So like, he needs to call her that. <laughs> I tried so hard not to get him to yeah. call her every time he said something to her because that was really hard because I could have done that, but that was being a bit overkill, mm-hmm. so <laughs> Yeah, I like the ones darling and sweethearts as well. Yeah, yeah, sweetheart's a nice one. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm actually trying to think now if I've put sweetheart. I know. I think I might have at some point, but I don't think Kaylin ever calls her that. Mm. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> How did you find it writing the dynamic between the two of them and Torbin as well? It was really easy um, because this is a story that I've had in my head for as long as I can remember. So they were always there in the back of my mind. And it it honestly felt like they are my best friends. And I was just writing about the times that we spent together. That's that's the best way I can describe it. But it was so easy to, to write them because I feel like they're just so relatable, like in every way. And like especially Rexa, um, I absolutely loved writing about her because I feel like she's out of all the characters, she's the one that's most like me. And I just love the dynamic between um Corbin and Kaylin. Like how they're so close best friends that they're actually more yeah. like brothers. Um they would they would die for each other and I just thought like I love that in any book, and it needs to be in mine. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was really easy to write those three characters. So yeah. three of my favourites. Um, but 
yeah, it was it was so I love I love writing about them. And it'll be sad it'll be yeah. sad when it ends. And I, I know roughly how it's gonna end, but I'm nowhere near that okay. yet. So we'll deal with that when it when it comes. <laughs> Even when it ends though, you can always come back with spin offs and more books. Exactly. I'm sure there'll be more stories to explore. There is. There is a lot more. And you know, that's something that I've never really given much thought, like would I actually do like spin-offs for the other characters? So maybe something to pay into the future. <laughs> yeah. If you were to write a prequel, what would it be about, do you think? I think for the prequel it it would have to be about Riona. Um Rex is great, 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 however many great <laughs> uh, grandmother. Like, I feel like yeah. that's probably the best route to go down for a people because, like, so much happened in the history that yeah. it would be a shame not to go back and maybe explain it a bit more in more detail. Um, yeah. I think that would be a good storyline to explore. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. And it's actually, it's actually, that's a good shout, actually. Um, I think I'm definitely saying that, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Getting some ideas. <laughs> mhm, mm mhm, mm yeah. Um, I want to ask about the pages in the book. So <laughs> at the start of every chapter you've got yeah. a bit of an illustration mm -hmm. so I've never seen that before in a book and I was just wondering how did you come up with that idea and how is it done? So that was never ever a part of the book until one of the girls in the writing group that I'm part of um, we were speaking about the book being released and stuff and she said that she has this writing program called Vellum and Vellum you can only get for like Apple products so like Macs and things you can't get them for, for Windows and stuff so she said to me like why don't I put it through Vellum because it was it was when I was having the issues with the the cover um and she said to me like have you tried putting your actual um manuscript through Vellum and I said no, so she put it through Vellum for me. And in that program, there's so many options, so many things that you can do to the pages of your book. And she was like, I've got these options here. Do you like them? Do you want these to be like every first page? And we went through a couple of them and then see the one that's in the book. We got onto that and I was like, that one. It's stunning. It's like that would be amazing. Um, so that's how that ended up becoming thing. Um, I'm glad it did because it's just made it's just made the book even better. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> I love it as well. It's so pretty. Like every time I open it up, I always have to go to the start of a chapter so that I can see <laughs> see that page. Yeah, and how is the map designed as well? The map, it's really funny because when I started writing, it was fine because we were in Adoria and everything was fine. I knew exactly how Adoria looked and then I was like, 
she's gonna need leave there, so let's run a bit off. And I decided to open up paint because <laughs> I am not good with any like Photoshop or anything like that. And just like started like drawing the outline and putting wee things here and there. And um, the girl Daniel, shout out to Daniel, um, who did the cover, also did the map. And I had to send her the, the draft that I had done. And I, I said to her, please don't laugh because <laughs> Photoshop and paint is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, so she worked her magic and we did have some discussions about what aesthetic I wanted to go for. Um, and obviously going by the absolutely stunning cover that she did for me, I said yeah. to her, you have any ideas, bounce them off me and we'll we'll work it out and she actually said to me I've just got the ballad of Never After I've just seen the map for it she said this yeah. is what it looks that's like that's stunning map that one and I was like that is beautiful and she said well, why don't we try and do like a king like something like that and I said yeah let's do it and she sent it to me when it was done and I was like, this is incredible. Like, I love books with maps in them. So yeah. seeing my book having a map in it, that, that was something that was like a given, like that had to be in it. And mm. even now, like I find myself like walking by, picking it up and opening it and looking at the map and putting it back down. And I don't honestly don't know how many times I've done that. <laughs> so, yeah. Useful writing the rest of the series, though. Mhm, mm mhm, mm yeah, yeah. And now that you've said that about the Ballad of Never After, I can actually see it in your yes. map. Yes, I, mm -hmm. I can see the inspiration now. Yeah, it's just it was. I, I remember reading. I actually read in Once Upon a Broken Heart, and that's that's the first. Obviously, that's one of the first things you see in the books, and I remember seeing it and thinking that's stunning. And when Daniel mentioned it for my book, I was hundred percent on board with that. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's it's beautiful. Like it's exceeded my expectations really. Um, the cover and the map. What's one goal you'd like to achieve as an author? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the dream for probably every author is to be able to quit your day job and do writing full time. Um, yeah. That's something that I would absolutely love to do. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Um, it's obviously a lot harder for self-published indie authors. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely my goal is to hopefully one day Quit my quit my nine to five job and yeah. just write for a living. Um, that that would be the dream. <laughs> I think more indie books have been taking off on social media in the past few years. So I yeah. definitely think it's more of a possibility than say like mm -hmm. ten years ago. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I've kind of found hard recently is promoting the book because. 
I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that it is good to get your book out there, like word of mouth and things like that. But at the same time, I don't want to just keep posting a picture of my book constantly because yeah. then I, that's just annoying people. <laughs> so it's trying to kind of... And you started out as a bookstagram account as well. Yeah, so I guess you don't want to lose that. No, no, because I did actually think about, like, maybe this is an author page now, so maybe I should delete everything, like, post-author. Yeah. Um, but I decided not, because I really like the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I think it kind of gives, gives a little, like, insight to me as a reader as well. Yeah. Um, I know it, you have to, like, scroll back quite a bit, <laughs> but you'll be able to see the kind of the books that I enjoy and stuff. So um but yeah, it's trying to find that balance between photos, reels, stories on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, yeah. everything like there's there's so many platforms and it's just trying to find the right balance to be posting on Instagram that day, Twitter that day, TikTok that day. It just it's tiring. <laughs> but it's worth it, I mean. Yeah. I'm sure no one would blame you if you needed to take a step back to focus yeah. on the writing. So and then you can come back point. even stronger. Yeah. There was one point, though, where I was getting to the, getting to the point where I was trying, to, I was posting every single day. And obviously, you, you know what the algorithm is like or Instagram. It's not great. So, I've just given up with the algorithm yeah. entirely. Like, <laughs> it's not my friends. I've accepted that. Yeah. It's all yeah. um, And it was getting me really frustrated and it was making me feel really low when one post was getting, say, 100 likes and then another post was only getting, like, 60 or whatever. Like, yeah. it was really deflating and I actually had to take a step back and was like, this isn't healthy. Like I'm posting every single day, um, and I bought myself a planner and bought myself off Etsy some stickers. So it was like Instagram like icon stickers and Twitter and TikTok, so that I could like. I like start, that idea. Yeah, so I could start like planning out my posts, what days I was going to do what, and it actually it helped so much, and I'm glad I did it because posting every day isn't. Like, if that works for you, then that's great. But I don't have time to sit and take no. and photos and make sure they're all perfect. And so, what, what you see on my page is what you get. <laughs> yes. I generally post two to three times a week. So, mm -hmm. I'm not on it every day. Yeah. I'll try and maybe keep posting every day in my stories because um, that's easy enough to do. Um, yeah. I, I try and keep grid posts for anything like announcements or any news or anything big like that. Um, I, I feel like that kind of helps a wee bit as well. So, yeah. So, I know you're working on Ravenheart's book too at the moment. Mm -hmm. What can you share about it? Any clues about the title or any quotes yeah. you can share? 
I have a title for book two and I have a title for book three as well. So, I mean, that's that's been the easiest part, funnily enough, is the titles have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did actually write down a little quote um, from draft two because it's, it's hard to, like, share any quotes because it might not end up in the final draft. It just kind of really yeah. depends on how it goes. But the one that stuck out to all me all parts of the writing process exactly yeah so the one that stuck out to me a little when i was going through it is we will put a stop to the darkness one way or another the dark days will end so that's mm-hmm. that's probably the best one because i think that's one that is definitely going to stay in book two that sounds um, like yeah so, yeah that the dark sounds days like it will end up in the final draft yeah definitely um but it's currently i think it's just under 75 and a half thousand words um yeah i've only gone through seven chapters so far um and i think if memory serves me there is 31 chapters um so far in book two um but the crazy thing is that I shared with my hype team a wee while ago um, is that the hardback of the first book is 400 odd pages and draft two of book two is 384 pages so far. So it's looking like it's going to be a kind of the same ballpark then. Yeah, I actually think it's going to be bigger than book two. <laughs> so I don't, don't know how big it's going to be, but judging by the looks it just now, it's it's going to be yeah. slightly slightly bigger than than book one. So that's exciting. And yeah. I also sent um, Daniel, my graphic designer, the ideas that I have for the cover of book two. So that ball is, is rolling now. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to to see what she comes up with because honestly it's stuff that she comes up with is genius like it's stuff that I never even think of <laughs> so I just gonna yeah. say this is what I'm what I'm looking for as long as it has this and this you have feeding just send me a couple of a couple of mock-ups and we can go from there so yeah sounds good any idea when that will be ready to share I, or are you I'm waiting sure. until closer to the release i'm hoping to have book two released around the same time as book one so book one was the 28th of october so i'm going to try and aim for that um time frame again um yeah but we'll see we'll see what happens if i, if I can get it out earlier then that would be great um yeah let it start like getting, bonus get, doing it doing it again for book three um but yeah, if if it's not out sooner, then it will definitely be around the end of October, maybe beginning of November this year. But yeah. I'll I'll keep everybody up to date on my page as I go. I think that's pretty much everything that I've got mm-hmm. non-spoiler. Okay. So okay. <laughs> so before we move on to spoilers, is there anything you'd like to say to? readers or potential readers 
to anybody that has read Air of Ravens and Rune, I just want to say thank you so much. It, it means the absolute world that anybody wants to read it, um, because it is my book baby at the end of the day. Um, and I just really appreciate them taking the time to read it, leaving reviews and things, um, telling our families and friends about it. Um, it. It honestly means so much to me and I just want to say a big, big thank you to everybody that's already bought one or you've added it to your TBR list on um, Goodreads. Um, so, yeah, just a, a big thank you. Means a lot. <laughs> Great. So, this is a spoiler warning. So, for anyone who hasn't finish the book. Yeah. Spoilers out. <laughs> I want to talk about the cliffhanger first. Okay. So how did you come up with that idea? Did you always know it was going to end that way? Always gonna end that way. But and this is like inside scoop here. It wasn't originally Kaylin that was supposed to be taken. It was supposed to be Rexa. And okay. I had it all planned out that this was going to happen, that was going to happen in book two, and blah, blah, blah. And it was actually one of my beta readers made me change it. Not, not made me change it like that way. But, but suggested the idea. She absolutely loved the book. Loved the ending, and when she gave me her feedback, she was like, "The only thing that I think would actually make this even better is if it was Kaylin and not her." And I was like, "You know what? You are an absolute genius! <laughs> like that's great." <laughs> so then I was like, "I changed it all, so it was it was him that was taken." And then I was like, "Oh no!" Because. I had literally planned the tiniest part of because I'd start. I had started draft one of book two at that point, yeah. so I'd already written all of this out, and it was oh, it was great. I absolutely loved it, and I was like, I'm gonna need to change this whole thing now. <laughs> but I think it definitely worked out for the better. Um, so yeah, it was always planned, but it just wasn't have supposed to be him originally. It was yeah. So yeah. That's a good, Sometimes that's the, the change is the best. Exactly, and that's the first time I've ever told anybody that, so <laughs> <laughs> you've heard it here first. <laughs> Real inside scoop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Did you have a hardest scene to write? I did have a hard scene to write. Um, I think it was probably when Rexa is having a conversation with Kaylin and she just completely broke down and she was hitting him on the chest and he was taking it because he knew like this is it, she needs to let this out and this is yeah. this is her time to do that and like liven it up a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, there were um, some really funny moments as well. Like we were yeah. talking about Dealing with yeah, horse the horse earlier. There were definitely some lighthearted moments. It, it's it's the part as well when 
they save her from those bandits and the yeah. first thing I think I'm pretty sure it's the first thing he says to her is you stole my horse and she went <laughs> and she says well no it was actually paid for so technically I just borrowed it <laughs> I love it so much um, yeah. but yeah I feel, I feel like the theme the theme of the book had to be like pretty much doom and gloom <laughs> because that was just the that was just the way it had to be written yeah. um, but Almost impossible to avoid with obviously the attack on the palace yeah. and the that, whole kingdom. Yeah, that actually in the first draft that happened in chapter five. Um and then in the final the one that finally came out it ended up being in chapter eight, I'm pretty sure it is. So yeah. there was things added because I did feel like the first part in the first draft of book one was really rushed. Um, so I was like, you know what, I need to put some more in, into the start so that you you know riding better, yeah. you know measuring better, and you get to see more of your grandmother and things. Um, so I'm glad I kind of went back in and added a little bit more of that so that you, you got to kind of know those characters better as well, um, and Zuko as well, Zuko. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any chance? I know we saw the bodies of some mm-hmm. of the people mm-hmm. who died, but is there any chance that anyone else survived and might pop back up again? Well, I would. The only thing I would say is is that there was some bodies that you didn't see. So you know, there there could be. There could be. I want to ask about Rex's dreams as well. Yes. Because obviously she dreams of like a few of mm-hmm. older members of her family who yeah. are dead or mm-hmm. she believes are dead. Mm-hmm. So was that just like some kind of like was it an accident that it was them or was it like their spirits trying to communicate with her or uh, what exactly the, was going the way, on? The way that I was thinking when I was writing it was obviously the very first chapter, the first scene is her waking up from a nightmare and it's like a war where there's been nothing but absolute destruction and storms and things like that so that ties in with the raven god that is basically his warning that this isn't over like shit's about to hit the fan pretty much (laughs) and um with dreaming about other like the, the family members that have died Again, that was like their kind of warning, like we're we're here, but you need to like open your eyes because it's not all just like pastries and fancy balls and all that. Like there's really really bad stuff out there, and it's coming. Yeah. Um. So I thought there's no better way of doing that than having a dream about it, um, or like a kind of vision type thing. So. That was that was kind of the 
the aim for for her dreams in, in the book. Okay. And the dagger that Queen Aurelia gives her, mm-hmm. is there more of a backstory to it that we don't yet know? There, in, in book two, you will find out something significant about it. Um, it does have like a little bit of a, a backstory, but that's that's for book two. You will okay. you will find out a bit more about it. Um, but I absolutely loved like writing the combat scenes with that dagger because it's just yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> Is there any possibility that it has a connection to the Shadow Star Sword, or it can could. you not say? I don't really want to say right now, but. There is there is a chance it could, um, because they they are so similar to each other. Um, yeah. So that's a I think that's another thing for book two. <laughs> okay. I think this is going to be the final question. Okay. So throughout the entire book, Caelan mm-hmm. has something that he wants to tell Rexa, but mm-hmm. he can't. Yeah. And then he's going to tell her when mm-hmm. the attack happens at the end. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that? Or is that another book two thing? I mean, that... Because be fair, I think that... You go on. To be fair, it's not even a book two thing, you know? So it's maybe a book three thing. <laughs> You know, we need to keep the suspense. <laughs> really holding on to that secret. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you might not be. Yeah. You might not be wrong. Just need to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we can expect from book two? Um. Well, book two for sure is going to be a lot smuttier. Than what book one was. Right. Um, yep, there's there's already been, from what I can remember, I think there's two chapters in this that even even I was a little bit like, I just wrote that. <laughs> um, so there's definitely, definitely going to be a reunion when they rescue Kaylin. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's trying everything to get answers out of you. <laughs> um, it's definitely going to be smuttier. I feel like book two is, is a lot darker, and I'm here for it. Like, like book one is dark, but now that the scene is set, if you will, um, I had so much fun writing book two, um, just yeah. how dark it is, and... I, I can't wait for everybody to read it um, because I feel like book, book one is setting the stage, like letting you know what the realm's like, who the people are, what their stories are. But book two really then starts to pick up with everything that's happening. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really good. Um, it's I enjoyed writing book two 
more than I did writing book one because obviously book one I was having that little voice in my head telling me that doesn't sound right, that's stupid, why are you putting that in there? Like just constantly doubting myself but with book two because I've had that experience of book one I've not really had that with it so I feel like I've yeah. just had absolute freedom to do whatever I wanted. Granted, like, when I have went back and read these chapters that I've done so far, there has been a little, little, little things that I've been like, I'm going to take that out, that doesn't make sense. So I need to put this in here because that that needs to be answered kind of thing. So yeah. but I think there's going to be at least three drafts of book two. Draft three will be going to the beta readers. Um, and once I get their feedback after that, I'll make a draft four which will probably end up just being the final draft that goes to the, the editor. Um, yeah. But I haven't put the editor in yet because I want to get the actual draft where I want it first before I contact her. But, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's coming together nicely. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank it's you for joining great. me tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. And yeah. we should do it again when book two comes out. <laughs> definitely yeah mm -hmm. yeah so thank you, thank you and yeah bye yeah i'll speak to you soon bye thank you for listening to bookstagram live please take the time to rate review and subscribe wherever you are listening you can follow ali on instagram at author ali brennan and I strongly recommend that you find yourself a copy of the first book in her Ravenheart series, Heir of Ravens and Ruin. You can find me over on Instagram at Books. Follow me to watch future episodes as I record them live before uploading the audio to this podcast. If you would like to feature in a future episode, you can reach out through my DMs with the topic you would like to discuss. This could be your bookish profession, a particular book or maybe your favourite trope. Any topic you can think of, I'm always happy to listen because this is your chance to promote something you feel passionate about. Thank you and always remember, keep smiling, keep reading and keep the conversation going. Speak to you next time. <laughs>